0: well welcome everyone to 2015 this is a happy new year to everyone because we've been off for a year keith are you alive still
1: i am alive and man that year just went by so quick it seems like we just recorded our podcast our last podcast yesterday
0: it, <laughs> it does, and, and I want to uh, uh, explain to the fans that it's really all my fault that we've been gone for about a year. I have various excuses that <laughs> I'd like to use on everybody, and I will be presenting them in a very systematic fashion uh, here shortly. A- but, actually,
1: uh, Rod, Rod, I really appreciate that you're trying to fall on your own sword, but in yeah. actuality, it was my fault it was oh our... oh
0: and t- tell me why. It was tell a, me why.
1: It was a typo in the project plan. <laughs> I I said every other year instead of every other week. Right. And <laughs> darn it. I,
0: I well, you know, kind of our, our I know in our production meetings you and I have talked about how we wanted to have this podcast to be the most successful annual podcast ever. So <laughs> I I think we will um we will stick to that guideline. So every February, March, we will start releasing a brand new episode. Um, it's a little so, bit, you know, a little bit just, like,
1: uh, like boyhood.
0: Uh, unfortunately, we'll probably only be able to have a five-year anniversary because we'll be dead by that time. <laughs> uh. Anyway, let, let, let me explain to the good listeners out there where we've been. Well, frankly, for me, here, here's uh, uh, one of the big excuses that I have. Uh, just as we were wrapping up our last recording, which you're going to hear, folks, in just a short while here, uh, I had a problem with my uh, little Behringer... Uh, what do you call this thing? Xenix Q802... <laughs> Uh, mixer, uh, where I had a incredible humming issue, uh, and Keith was very, very good to help me out with it. the The, the great thing about Keith is that he was uh, <laughs> he had heard of this particular problem before, so much so uh, he had classified it, uh, of which I was able to tell the technical support people that it's the B flat tone, <laughs> and I loved it because you, you, you know uh, Keith is a great musician. I am a uh, average musician, and I got on the guitar, played a B flat, and doggone it, that was the tone.
1: It's actually a fun, really funny story about the B flat. Um, so when I was in I was in a music class in high school, and I was. I don't know. It was music theory, so there wasn't really any playing, but the, there was there was a, a pretty good uh, musician that was the teacher, and so he actually thought I had perfect pitch because <laughs> because <laughs> there was a there was one of those fluorescent tubes in the room. You know right. Every every classroom has a buzzy fluorescent sure. light, and sure. so it's buzzing at B flat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and you and you knew that was B flat.
1: I knew that was B flat, so I had pretty good relative pitch. So I would just. You know hear that tone and he'd play a tone on the piano and i just do a uh i'd be able to tell the interval and i tell him and
0: he thought i was just god that so. is fa- that that is quite a that that's a nice party trick you've got there <laughs> that is a nice party trick i do like that yeah no that, that that that's just it so i had this b-flat hum so you know the the mixer at the time was was fairly new so i was able to actually uh get it repaired under warranty and, you know, it took a few weeks to have that done. And, uh, you know, in the meantime, after that, you know, I had some uh, personal things I needed to attend to. Uh, I had to, you know, and no, I did not have to serve any time out there, you smart Alex out there. I didn't have to serve any time or put on the orange jumpsuit or anything like that. I just had things I needed to do.
1: Yeah. So And uh, I waved at you, you know, when I was driving by on the road and you were picking up trash <laughs> I right. tried not to hit you. I was That's very careful right. about That's that. That's right. And, and,
0: and you know that white helmet always <laughs> messed up my hair, so you can you can tell anyway.
1: But actually, didn't you now didn't you actually bring your mixer to a, a, a an authorized Behringer rec- uh, repair place in San Francisco or somewhere in the Bay Area?
0: Uh, the answer is no. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, the answer is no. I I had to send it away to 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 go have it to uh go have it taken care of. Okay, but it was it was somewhere local and stuff yeah. like that. But didn't they? But
1: then didn't that company go out of business <laughs> after you sent it in?
0: Uh,
1: you, you had a really long involved story. Maybe you don't remember it because it was made up. But <laughs> I
0: I I I think that it was probably made up at that time. <laughs> I think I made it up just so that I wouldn't have to do the podcast anymore. Okay. That that explains it. So, right. But but then but then you blackmailed me and here we are. So, you know, here here we are beginning, you know, what? Episode 16 and we've been doing the podcast now for like 10 years already.
1: I think this year is going to be our 3rd year anniversary.
0: This will be our 3rd year anniversary and we have 16 episodes under our belt. So, this is an absolute incredible number of, you know, an outstanding Uh, uh, work level we've got
1: well anyway so we actually did record a podcast um, almost all the content for a podcast about a year ago yes and but I was kind of lazy and I just didn't put it together so uh, I blame you (laughs) so that's my fault
0: right I and I and I completely hold you to the fire on that one so
1: so but we do have this ready and actually most of the stuff in it's relevant um, still, even today. Yeah, uh,
0: I, I think it, I think it's still good. Just you know, don't don't pay attention to the uh, Super 8 millimeter references that we make.
1: Yeah, uh, in that year's time, Super 8. There's just you just can't get Super 8 film anymore. But other right. than
0: that, and the bird using its beak to like knock out the stone tablet, and the, and the
1: Edison wax cylinder recording. <laughs> yeah, that. Unfortunately, they produced the very last one in 2014. But, <laughs> but other than that, it's totally relevant and still up to date.
0: Right, right, right. So, <laughs> so that's great. So, why don't why don't we why not we turn it over to the archives? At least for us, as the archives to to the folks at home, this is a brand new episode of Tech Move. And uh, Keith, uh, we will see on the other side. And uh, let us begin episode 16 of Tech Move. Welcome. You're listening to Tech Move. Today is episode 16. In today's show, we have a great introduction to green screen techniques, and we preview the new Zacuto Access EVF mount and keith digs into his black friday bag of goodies we've got that we've got so much more and you're listening right now to tech move let's go Again, welcome to everybody to our latest edition of Tech Move. Again, I am Rod Louis, and uh, the illustrious Keith Moreau is here. Keith, how are you?
1: I'm good. I good. think you're running out of adjectives.
0: I am, uh, but I'm, but pretty soon you'll be uh, his royal highness. But uh, we'll we'll reserve that for the no. We'll reserve that for for the next one. Okay. Uh, uh, it's good to hear you. Uh, how are you? Everything okay?
1: Everything's good. How about you, Rod?
0: Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. It's great to launch another episode here. Uh but before we give uh the gang a l- rundown of everything that we're going to talk about, let's take care of some housekeeping here. Uh folks, of course, uh you can reach us and subscribe us off of iTunes and you can uh, uh search us there and just type in Tech Move and find us uh through iTunes and please subscribe. We'd love to to see you there. Uh, we also have a Facebook page, and you can search for us there, Tech Move Podcast, and a Twitter account at Tech Move Podcast. And of course, let us not forget where everything, all the magic happens at www.techmovepodcast.com. That's our website presence. And uh, and Keith is going to share with us now how you can help support the podcast, which is almost just as important. (laughs) Well, this part
1: of the podcast always reminds me of the... You ever ever, uh, watch public TV, you know, when they have those pledge drive periods? Yes, Yes.
0: it's it's that or the Jerry Lewis telethon.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so you're watching this great program and you're watching public TV because there's no commercials and that's what makes it so great. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden these people come on and they just talk incessantly for hours, not hours, but at least... Quite it's like a, a fifteen-minute break, though. <laughs> yeah, it seems like hours. Yeah, and there's ringing, and you see people in the back answering phones. I think they're all fake, but they, <laughs> they're they're people acting like they're answering phones and taking pledges, and <laughs> and it just goes on and on and on and on. Well, that's this part of the show, right? And yes, it is,
0: <laughs> and that's why we put it up at the front of the show. So, so you
1: have to get through it to get right. to the meat of right. the show. oh,
0: uh, it's all strategy, but, kids.
1: Yeah, we all knew that, Know that you just tune out at, at the at the last part of our show when we mention it again. (laughs) Right. So that's why we're doing it now. But anyway, just, and actually it's pretty important now because you're going to be buying a lot of stuff, probably a lot of stuff from Amazon. Yes. And uh, the the way to support our podcast just does not cost you anything. Uh, It's really just a commission that we get based on your purchases and it doesn't cost you a cent more. So if you like our podcast and you appreciate it and you get something out of it and you want us to keep doing it, it would be great if you could just buy your stuff through Amazon through our link, which is really easy. It's just techmovepodcast.com Amazon. That's it. It'll just go to Amazon. It'll seem like you actually went directly to Amazon. It just went through us. So it's got a little tag that tells Amazon that you came through us. And then for that session, anything you buy will get a little bit of commission. It's a pretty small amount, but it does add up if there's a lot of people doing it. So we really appreciate it.
0: And as they like to say, uh, you know, it keeps the lights on for us, so uh, right. you know and that keep, d- that does help.
1: And it keeps the heat on, and it's pretty cold nowadays here where we Well, are.
0: well, actually, not with all your CPUs <laughs> and hard drives that you've got. but uh, <laughs> That's true. That's... actually, we should say, it keeps the air conditioning on, so it doesn't overheat and seize. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. Well, that's so. That's great. So now we got all that good stuff uh, out of the way let 's get to the meat and potatoes of what uh tech move really is, and that 's about digital filmmaking and all the cool gear that comes about. We are also today going to talk uh, uh really have a great discussion uh about green screen mm-hmm. and uh, this is what going to be i i think it's going to be part one of our discussion on green screen is that right that's
1: correct it's a kind of a long subject, so yeah. we go through uh, some of the initial things you need to think about when you do green screen and and uh i think people
0: get a lot out of it and believe you me there's a lot to think about that about that it's true you know like uh you know here here i was i thought oh you know uh, okay here's a diy project i thought i was gonna get like a a car sun visor and painted green (laughs) and maybe use that thing uh but you know i mean from what we learned uh you will learn folks that there's there's a little bit more to it and um you know, I uh, naturally depends on the end result you're looking for. So.
1: Yeah, and just just as an example, just at like three days ago, I did a corporate photo shoot. I don't, I mean, I do more video than photo, but I did a corporate photo shoot oh. where I actually used a green screen.
0: Oh, and how did yeah. it turn out?
1: It turned out awesome. I was able to actually show key the key the green screen out and show the clients on site while I was doing the photos what the possible backgrounds could be oh, yeah. on site. On site with my Mac, I was actually taking the photos, not even touching. I had a 5D Mark III setup as the main camera. I was using a an actual a, a nice uh, manual lens. I was using a Rokinon 80 millimeter uh, manual focus lens.
0: I love those.
1: Yeah, yeah. I and, do love those. Those <laughs> are great. Yeah, it's actually pretty cool. Um, and um, and I actually had a USB cable connected to the Canon uh, Mark Mark uh, 5D Mark III and was actually taking the photos remotely from my Mac through the Uh-oh. USB port. And then look, the pictures are is. downloading through the USB port to my Mac and being stored on the hard drive. And then I could preview them instantly on the Mac. As soon as I took them, they'd pop up. Excellent. So Yeah. And so the clients, a nice big screen for the client to look at and say, oh, that looked good. well that didn't look so good. <laughs> Try it again. But they could just see they could see the result instantly.
0: Yeah. Which is what's great about all this digital filmmaking right I mean we yeah, could, we could essentially see all this stuff as as soon as we're done uh shooting it, so yeah. wh- whether it's film or, or whether it's stills or video right so, right it's yeah. just this
1: amazing time we live in it's a great time
0: awesome awesome yeah. uh we we also touch on a uh, we we have a get a little preview from Keith about the zakudo access and uh keith what what is that all about?
1: Well it's this um this really interesting EVF electronic viewfinder arm that I've been lusting for well actually I it, I got it about as soon as it came out right which was a couple of months ago so that we actually recorded it a couple of months ago but um at that time I was I just ordered it and I'm gonna talk a little bit about it and then uh, later in the episode I'm going to talk about my thoughts about it after I acquired it so it's going to be kind of a two-parter thing.
0: Excellent. No, that's excellent. Uh, we 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 get to hear about your excitement uh, at the beginning, and if that excitement is still at a high level, or we're tempered quite a bit. Uh, we are waiting with bated breath on that one.
1: <laughs> will I uh, like? Will I like? Will Keith like the Sakuta Axis or not? <laughs> <laughs> what will happen? Will he be disappointed, or will his joy be? increased even beyond when he initially bought it we'll see (laughs) later in this episode
0: later in this episode (laughs) we call those cliffhangers uh and and what's great is that you know we are recording this during the holiday season Mm -hmm. and uh so uh it is black friday season right now yes uh and so i know keith has made a tremendous amount of purchases. And uh, so we're going to open up that treasure trove and see what kind of junk falls out. And uh, and Keith's going to go through it, and uh, we're going to get to hear what's what's in those boxes.
1: Right. So I, 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 there's a couple of reasons that I buy a lot of stuff around the Black Friday. There actually are quite a few deals in this uh, photography and cinema uh, area and um and i and i also it's the end of the year so I'll, you can get a lot of tax deductible purchases done <laughs> and do a section 179 on your IRS form to deduct those purchases from your income so
0: <laughs> and we'll also be holding seminars uh where we'll be offering dinner to, uh to join us for our financial advice
1: <laughs> the thing about um the section 179 in the tax code is that you can buy your you can buy your item at any time of the year, even the last day of the year, and account and you can count it against the whole year. So that's why it's kinda of fun to, to buy stuff at the end of the year.
0: Tremendous Keith. <laughs> Me, me. I'm just worried about whether or not it's going to show up on the month's statement or the next month. Can I ride that wave? That's all can I you, care about.
1: Can you float that credit one Right, more month. exactly.
0: I mean, like, are they going to charge me that 25% or? <laughs>
1: well, oh, anyway, right. the, the first uh, Black Friday thing that I got was um, a pretty cool deal on a product that I saw through... Uh, photography and cinema. I think I saw it on Cheesy Cam. And and I think photography and cinema is related to Cheesy Cam. Uh I think maybe they're either they're they work together or maybe they're part owners or designers or something. But anyway, I go to Cheesy Cam a lot. We both do, right? Yes.
0: Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh we 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 love uh our friend uh M over there at Cheesy Cam and uh he puts out and, and, and you know just to kind of divert a little bit uh He's one of the reasons why I got into a little bit of the DIY game was because mm-hmm. uh, his great instructional videos for certain things that I wanted to use. And uh, he, uh, his website helped us out uh, a great deal.
1: Oh, yeah. He's got a great website. He really covers a lot of gear. And he covers a lot of the gear that's uh, less expensive. It's maybe the knockoff stuff. That's not the, the super high-end.
0: Right uh, up my stuff. alley. <laughs>
1: It's perfect. It's actually and a lot of stuff's really good. I've gotten several things from recommendations on the site. But anyway, so this is one thing that I I was kinda of thinking about. I actually didn't specifically know about this device but this device, but it's called the Cage Pro. Um and it's from PNC Photography and Cinema. And uh I don't know if you have a, a link or it can look that up, Rod, so you can know what I'm talking about.
0: But I'm I'm going there now as we speak
1: yeah photographyandcinema.com okay and uh
0: sorry I was off mic for a minute
1: I don't know if you could tell
0: but oh, I was off mic
1: that's okay it was good it was kind of
0: it so, it sounds real doesn't it ladies it a, and gentlemen it was
1: a really good effect it yeah, sounded like you f- were far away for a second thank you now you're thank close you. again
0: thank you what well, <laughs> uh, what am I what am I looking for again now
1: it's the uh, cage pro the PNC cage pro mm-hmm.
0: uh it, <laughs> their their site just I just just crashed? No, it it didn't crash, but it's like taking me to some sort of flash window or something like that. So is it under camera cages? Probably. (laughs) Oh, Cage Pro, I see it here. Okay, here it is. Yeah. Oh, looks like a titanium box. Very nice.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so so I have a uh, uh, GoPro Hero 3.
0: Is that the black black edition?
1: Yeah, three black... And, uh, and one of the issues that I've had with it is that sometimes I'm, uh, I like the camp, the, the little, the little camcorder is awesome. It's, it really actually takes pretty good, <laughs> pretty good video. Um, it's, it's limited cause it, you can't really zoom it or do things like that or change the focal length. But in a lot of ways it's awesome. Uh, one of the problems though, it just runs out of battery really quick.
0: Oh, the GoPro does.
1: Yeah, it does. So I, I, there was a pretty good sale on this cage pro. I think it's was normally one eighty. It's with the handle that comes with it, so you can attach this kind of metal uh Swiss Swiss uh handle thing. Swiss I see that. Yeah. yeah. Swiss plate handle. So it has a bunch of drilled out three eighths and quarter inch holes in it. But um so I just so I saw this I think it was normally one eighty and I think uh it was on sale for one twenty. So I said oh, I'm gonna just get that because it's something that I think I'll need. It it makes the GoPro more of a a usable camcorder, but not necessarily something you would. You would uh, the the thing about the GoPro is that it's really small, and so you can mount it on people and and uh you know get it into small places and things. And this doesn't this kind of makes the GoPro more like the size of a DSLR.
0: <laughs> it, it it does look considerably bigger yeah. uh, with the housing and the whole thing. So yeah,
1: but but something like this can can add. You know, if you just need one more camcorder, but you want to set it up and have it running for a couple hours, this can turn the, what I think it can do is turn the GoPro into one of those camcorders, like a nor- more of a normal camcorder that has a longer battery life.
0: Yeah, it looks here, if I'm reading it correctly, that you use a common Canon type DSLR battery, uh, right. which can provide you more than like five hours of runtime on a... On a charge so yeah exactly i i I guess so what what are you getting with the stock battery then
1: the stock battery gets maybe like half an hour (laughs) it's not very much
0: so like your iphone gets more power than 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 that thing
1: yeah yeah and especially when the the wi-fi is on so i can get a preview of what's going out of the the gopro that's another thing that's really cool about the gopro is it's kind of got this built-in off uh off-site monitoring you don't have to be at the camera to see what the camera is doing. You can monitor on your iPhone.
0: That's nice
1: through Wi-Fi. So that's so the GoPro has a lot of interesting features. One of its detriments is that its battery life is pretty bad. Even I even got this extra battery pack extender for the for the GoPro that adds a little bit of uh, depth to it, and okay. and you get a little extra thing on the housing to make to make up for the depth. It's a little bit deeper housing. Sure, sure. Um, but that still doesn't add that much. I was really surprised. It maybe add another thirty minutes or something. Really? Yeah. Wow. Because the batteries are just really tiny. I mean, the whole GoPro is really tiny on its own, and the batteries are small. Right. So, and I think just with the Wi-Fi and all the other stuff it's doing, it just uses a lot of power. So, anyway, so I just got this because I just thought, well, I could, I could, um, you know, use it. So anyway, I got it unpacked. I was really excited, actually. I got my GoPro. You know, and it needs to be in its. It won't. It doesn't really fit when the GoPro is naked. You have to have it in its case for it to actually kind of clamp onto it. It's kind of oh, okay. simple the way it works. You just you just unscrew a couple, c- couple fittings on this cage, so that there's room for the GoPro to slide in, and then you clamp the stuff back on the back of the, the GoPro to kind of hold it in, and it's just it, it fits exactly so that the GoPro is just framed up exactly inside this this cage when it's all clamped in and it doesn't move. Um, the th-
0: the thing looks really durable.
1: Yeah, it kind of looks more durable than I. Th- uh, parts of it, I think, are extremely durable. Like mm. parts of it are just metal. Okay. Um, but other parts are not metal, and that's I'm a little. I think parts of it look like metal, but they're actually plastic.
0: Well, it probably. It, I mean, probably if it were so durable, it'd probably be really heavy too.
1: I think that's the thing is I think they sacrificed some of the weight to make it a little bit less expensive and and um, but it's got a lot of these these tapped holes in it, so it's it's. It, but I do think that these parts are actually. Not metal so I'm kind of a little confused about the tapping like Mm. if it's plastic tapped it may not be that durable
0: right that that might be extremely weak if you tighten too much or something like that
1: yeah I think no I think what it is now I'm looking at I'm actually holding it right now I think the tap parts are actually metal because and and the parts that kind of make the clamps and fittings are metal all the other stuff is plastic okay so the front is plastic the thing that holds the lens filter is plastic um, the handle is actually metal and it's a nice, the handle is pretty nice. You could use the handle for something else if you needed to, because it looks it's, like, lo-
0: looks like you could hang stuff off of it or yeah, screw stuff to it.
1: Yeah. It's got a uh, tapped quarter inch and three eighths, um, holes to see, so could screw all kinds of different things to it. If you wanted, you could use it for something else. Cause I think it's a 15 millimeter, uh, little rod sticking out of the end. And then that goes into this machined aluminum, thing that attaches to the top of it to make it into a handle. So, hmm. um, yeah, so that part's kind of cool. That's actually, that actually makes us unit a little more expensive. Uh, I think it adds about $30 to it, but that part could be used on its own. So that's a nice piece, even without the cage. Um, the only thing, so here's, okay. So, and the only thing that I think is a little on the cheap side is the battery, uh, the, the, the cover to open and close the battery port. Where like you put the, 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 the
0: battery compartment? The battery compartment door huh.
1: is kind of plasticky, a little bit plasticky. Like mm. everything else is, seems really, really solid. And this part looks like it's going to break the first time I use it mm. or like the second time. So it's so one area I think I'm going to have to be a little careful. I could be wrong. They may have tested it and, you know, and it tested out durable, but it just had this impression. So a little plasticky. Right. But um so anyway, I was really excited. I got my GoPro in and. I was about to put it in I was like, Oh, it screws in. And then all of a sudden um, I realized that there was no way for me to actually plug in the power to my GoPro. (laughs) There's a, there's a little USB cable that comes out of the battery compartment and it, I need to have a special case, a particular type of case called a skeleton case for my GoPro that has holes for the USB. See, when I got this thing, I didn't, I was, it was Black Friday, and it was just you know clicking buy 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 and all these different things, and I just didn't have, I just didn't take the time to look at the requirements for this Cage Pro. The Cage Pro needs to have a certain case on the GoPro for it to work.
0: <laughs>
1: so I basically sounds like have,
0: more sounds like more stuff. I yeah. Y- you know what? By the time you're done, maybe you'll maybe it'll turn into a a five D Mark Three.
1: <laughs> I I think yeah. I think maybe I could have just gotten one instead of this cage, bro, but no, um, it, it's my fault. I didn't read it uh, that carefully, but, and it's only a $20 part. It's actually a very cheap thing from GoPro that I probably need anyway. And mm. I'm going to do other stuff. So, but it's just a little disappointing cause I was all, yeah, I'm going to try this out and you know, you get new stuff. You just want to try it out and I have to wait for my uh, shipment from Amazon to come in a couple days
0: with a skeleton. Right.
1: Skeleton case.
0: That, that, that's right, and and I do see that skeleton case. Uh, it, it's a new update, isn't it?
1: Uh, I don't know how new it is. I hope it. Oh, I it think
0: says that, I, I, it says that's ele- uh, November the sixth of two thousand thirteen. When they when they when they made this thing.
1: Oh yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think the skeleton case has been around for a while. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, I think so. But the. Uh, and I, and I hope whatever I order from Amazon is the actual the the correct skeleton case. I don't know because they because at PNC they said, well, you need the old style skeleton case, not the new style one. So
0: whatever that means. Yeah,
1: so I'll probably get this case. It won't be the right one. I'll have to order another one, and right. Maybe I'll we'll just have to melt down this Cage Pro for for parts. We'll see. So now it's going back in its a little nice styrofoam packed case, and I'll I'll review it later when I can actually use it.
0: Right. That's good. That's good. Excellent. I'm putting it back in the box. Well, it, it, it is a it, it is a nice looking uh uh piece and um ho- hopefully it'll make the GoPro a little bit more usable for you uh for maybe some um as you know as another camera unit or something.
1: I think it will because honestly the GoPro I don't use a whole lot right now. And I think just as another high quality camcorder it's going to it's going to make it more more useful in that regard. It's going to be another thing that I can just bring along like as right. an extra thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so, I, 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 and, and
0: especially with this uh, extended battery thing, that will be very helpful.
1: Right. And because it uses the L6 batteries, I can just, uh, I have tons of those batteries for all my other gear. So that's going to right. work out well. So that's one Black Friday thing.
0: Oh my. Okay. Just wow. one. Just one just, out of Just many. one thing. I'm sure. I'm sure.
1: Yeah. So I'm just getting now some of the Black Friday stuff that I ordered. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got the Cage Pro pretty quickly. They shipped that right away. I got that a while back. Mm. The um, But I just got today a gigantic box from B&H. So I'm going to open it now. I got my little flip-out razor box cutter out, and I'm going to just unbox it on the air. Be careful. So, okay, yeah, I know these are sharp. They're, can they're very, very sharp. Can I, me, yourself. I use a butter knife just in case. Right, and just can, keep keep... Cutting and cutting and... That's right. Cutting over... Yeah. That's right.
0: That's right. Here we this go. This is exciting. I, I, I know. I, I, I'm, I'm glad that we're all a part of this. Me too. I'm glad that <laughs> Watch world... it be like the pajamas you, you had ordered or something like that. It's not really from b and And I got bubble wrap.
1: Nice. No, no, that's the first layer. I hope there's something below. This oh. is good. I've got desk star... Four terabyte SATA drives. Nine.
0: Ooh. Yeah. How, how, how many of them did you get?
1: Uh, let me see. One, two, three,
0: four, <laughs> five. And keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, while he's, six, these are the number of drives. Seven, all four terabyte eight, drives. Eight. Nine. Ten.
1: Eleven. Twelve. <laughs> <laughs> 12 of them. <laughs> <Ooh-hoo>.
0: <laughs> wow and you may uh, ask why
1: does Keith need 12 terabyte drives uh, uh,
0: y- 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 <laughs> you know uh if anyone has listened to the podcast long <laughs> enough you know exactly why Keith needs that many drives i mean yeah. uh that that's uh and, and this will last him for maybe a year and then uh, and then he'll have to buy some more of uh on the next black friday
1: uh, I think this is gonna see. last me about three months. <laughs> but,
0: <laughs> right. Especially with all the backups you've been doing lately.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Gonna, yeah. But the way I'm gonna so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna first uh increase my Drobos. Well I'm probably oh, yeah. gonna do this at the same time. I'm gonna I'm am i I'm so the way the Drobos work, it's kinda cool. You can just put a fresh drive in. Right. And it'll it'll copy all the stuff that it needs to do on that fresh drive. And then when it's done it's it's kind of in a usable state. It's actually usable when it's backing up too. It's it's kind of neat that you can back up and use it at the same time. Yeah. Uh, other than the fact that it's just really slow uh, as a drive. But um, and then at, when that little backup thing to the four, because right now there's two terabytes in some of my Drobo's. I've got, I think I've got one Drobo that's got four four terabytes in it, and the rest have two, uh, four, two terabytes in them. Oh, so, so it's
0: time to change those guys and just get rid of those 2 terabyte drives.
1: Yep, upgrade them. So, yep. and the way I do it is I keep them online, but then I just it's as if a drive failed. So I take the drive out and then put the 4 terabyte in and it copies all the stuff that it needs to onto that new drive. And then I take the next 2 terabyte drive out and put the 4 terabyte in instead, and I just do that over the course of like a week because it takes a long time to do this. Kind of copying and and duplicating of data on the other drive, the new drives, right? right. And then by the end, I have uh, four four terabytes, and I really haven't done anything really complicated other than just hot swap the drives out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then for the, I have these um, OWC enclosures. Uh, Though that's a little more complicated. I have to populate a brand new one and then use ESATA connection to copy those because there's n- you can't just take a drive out uh, like a Two terabyte drive out and put a four terabyte drive in; they all have to be matched. Mm. So that's a little more complex. You have to have to make basically a brand new sixteen terabyte drive and then copy those over.
0: Well, so I, that's, but 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 then it'll be nice at the end when, when, once once all that, once all that setup is is done, it'll it'll be terrific.
1: It'll be great, yeah. And I'll be able to. So a lot of these um, drives are currently they're they're uh, eight terabytes. So it'll double the capacity of these drives and give me a lot more free space on them sure. for future stuff, which will be nice. Yeah, and then and then another thing I got another thing. in This box is the Sennheiser. It's the Sennheiser Sennheiser MKE four hundred.
0: Oh, let's and, see. Uh, let me let me do a search for that as I'm here. So you call it the Senn. What is it again?
1: Sennheiser MKE four hundred. MKE Excellent. Space 400.
0: Yep. I see it right... Oh, and, and you know what? I'll pull it up from our friends over at B&H. Well, they're not really our friends. Well, they will be after this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Very interesting, uh, Keith. Uh, the Sennheiser MKE 400 Compact Video Camera Shotgun Mic uh, looks curiously like my uh, Rode uh video video pro video mic pro yeah it looks
1: a lot like my road video mic pro so you right. may ask why keith why that did you get is another
0: a- and An... why sennheiser i mean uh, a trusted brand of course they've been around forever uh i remember when uh uh when friends Uh, had the old yellow-foamed Sennheiser Studio headphones, which were quite chic back in the uh, 70s. Uh, You know, those were the big dogs uh, at the time. Uh, Why Sennheiser and not Rode, Keith? Uh, Would you mind (laughs) answering that, please?
1: Well, as you know, I have the same mic that you have, the same Rode. Yes. And I think I may have maybe recommended that mic to you after I, I, I got
0: mine. I I think you did. Uh yeah. I think you did recommend yeah. it to me and I, I of course and, fell for it like the yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah.
1: And I really apologize for that, <laughs> Rodney. I, I'm sorry I, that you wasted two hundred dollars on y- that thing.
0: You know, actually I love that thing. Oh, <laughs> okay. I love I actually, it. Oh, I, I actually I think love it's it. Awesome. Too. I love it. I think it it's too. awesome. Yeah. I
1: love it too. But I'm opening my, my Sennheiser MKE four hundred and I held off getting getting one of these before because they were kind of expensive. Um, for what I thought they were, I think they normally go about two to okay um but i got I got this on a black Friday hundred dollar special.
0: You mean and it was there... only a hundred bucks yeah, wow, yeah. that is a deal yeah
1: and 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 the reason but another reason I got it is i 've actually thought about getting this for a while uh, and the reason is i 'm getting a little tired of the videomic pro 's shock
0: mount, oh okay, well you mean with the rubber bands and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, I just I just find that it's a little too delicate. The the it's cradle. It's a nice. It's a probably a really good shock mount. It probably isolates the mic a lot, really really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but if anybody has the Rode Video Mic Pro, you probably knows it's got these little rubbery things that kind of kind of fit into the mic and and then onto the. Onto the case that goes yep. onto your camera.
0: yep. And it, that, it, that come
1: off in transport all the time. That come off in transport, and you always have to wind up pushing them back in and yes. not knowing if this is going to be the, the time it fails and breaks. Correct,
0: correct. And you exactly. have to get
1: another one. Yeah, and it is
0: kind of weird how it actually attaches to the mic itself. Yeah, it, it, There's really, like, no good hook, but supposedly there is one. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't know, yeah. whatever. They just kind of fit in with pressure. The little, the little
1: rubbery things that isolate the mic from the, the attachment, um, kind of fit into these little molded slots in the mic, and they just pop out. They pop out a lot. They don't pop out in normal use, but they do pop out anytime you take the the mic off and move right. it around. Um, and it's they're a little, they're just a little too fiddly for me. And the mic itself is not, it's it's small, but it's not as tiny as the Sennheiser. This ones is really small. So it, it just takes up a lot less space and it doesn't have the fiddly shock mount. It's just got a maybe not as good a shock mount, but it's not fiddly. It doesn't detach like the VideoMic Pro. So I figured I'll get one of these. I've seen people use them and I like the sound they get. And um I just and it has some pretty good settings on it. So I just figured I'm gonna just use this and uh you know, it was only a hundred dollars and I'm gonna try it out.
0: I think that's a great deal uh, for a hundred bucks. That's that's a heck of a deal. Um, yeah, and, and yeah. you know what? Uh, looking at the picture, I do have to say I like the cord better than I do on the uh, Rode video mic.
1: Yeah, the cord is kind of a coiled thing that kind yeah. of stays small.
0: Yeah. Uh, but but it but it looks so much more robust than the little thin uh, cable that comes from with the Rode.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to try it out. I'm going to put it probably use it with my well both my Canon. Uh, 5D Mark III and probably my C100 uh, in the uh, in the mode without the big mic on it and see how it works. Good, and, and I'll let you know.
0: That sounds great. No, I I I think for a hundred bucks, well, that's a heck of a deal because I'm looking at it right now in B&H and it's uh 199.95, so 200 bucks. Yeah. And if you got it for 100, that's a that is a Black Friday deal and a half. So. Yep. Yep. Um, that that's a good one. Yeah. All right. Well, so good.
1: I I guess I got some other stuff around Black Friday but it hasn't arrived yet. So Okay.
0: Well, we'll 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 talk about that uh w- you know when you get it and we'll we'll update the uh uh the crowd to let them know what other things you've invested money on <laughs> <laughs>
1: for that section 179.
0: <laughs> that's right. Uh, that's nice. That is very good. All right, good. Uh well, Uh, We've got a lot more show coming up, and so we'd like you to stay tuned. But in the meantime, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to get a drink of water and we're going to come right back with more tech moves. Welcome back, folks, and we've got a really terrific segment that we want to talk about. It's something that uh, is very, very interesting, especially for Keith, because I know that he uses this particular technique quite often in his own line of work, and that is green screen. Uh, Keith, I know that you do an awful lot of green screening, uh, in your films, uh, especially when it comes to, uh, interviewing and stuff like that. Yeah, I use it a
1: lot for, uh, interviews and, and there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, it's, uh, it's a good way to be able to, uh, not have to do too much work to dress the environment. <laughs> yeah. Be- uh, because sometimes you'll just be in a, in a place where it's just ugly, you know, you know, it just doesn't, it's not a very interesting setting. Right uh you might choose the setting just because they it's out of the way if you're not going to get interrupted but it might not be the prettiest setting you know it just might not the background just might not be that, that attractive uh sometimes when you do have to dress a set and get it let, lit right just for a background it takes a lot of time it, it can take you you know an hour to get it to look right right so uh having the having the green screen is is a way to avoid that work you still have to do a lot of work to get the green screen prepared and get things set up but in general uh, you, you do save some time doing that
0: you you know when it comes to green screen you know I'm uh, you know I always look at, uh, at at people doing it and in in many ways you can tell when somebody is green screening and, uh, and and things like that uh, I have seen your final products and I thought that they were quite good and that's just not You know, kissing your butt, but I actually thought that you uh, that you did, you 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 took a lot of care with, you know, actually making the subject look very natural amongst the chosen background that you ended up finally choosing. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: yeah. There, you have to put a little bit of thought into where the person's going to be and how you're going to set it, and then you have to do. Sometimes you have to do stuff to the to the whatever you put behind them. Um, it, it depends on what you put behind them. If you just put white behind them or, you know, some color or some kind of, you know, background, uh, you know, they're called muslins. Mm. You know, you, you've probably seen them in the, in the old days before a lot of people did green screen. There were people would, photographers would just uh take these uh, backdrops around and they were like modeled colors of yep. gray or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And they're still used a lot. Uh, You see them in, you know, school School yearbooks and things like that, but um,
0: they're, they're like uh, like the roll up uh, wallpaper type of thing that they just uh, put up on a you know on a trussing system and pull it down like a sunshade and and you just stand right in front of it, right? I mean, I guess that's what you are doing with the green screen now, but it's just you you don't really care except it's green.
1: Yeah, it's kind of the same principle. Uh, the thing that you the thing about the green screen is you can put whatever you want behind it. You have a little more right room to change things if you need to yeah um most you know most of the green screen work backgrounds that i come up with wind up being white uh just because it's pretty neutral it's kind of an in thing to do now i think apple started that with their series of commercials where it was just a total totally white background Mm -hmm. um but if you need to you can change it to whatever you want so yeah so well thanks i'm i guess maybe in the show links i'll i'll put a link to some of the green screen stuff that I've done that that maybe people wouldn't be able to tell that actually was green screen
0: like in particular was- if I if I may uh, point out I think you did this one where you were uh, doing an interview at um, it was either some sort of fine art school or some ballet school or something like that and you were interviewing I guess administration
1: uh- oh yeah it was it was it was for a dance teacher it's actually for my upcoming film sharing of sharing yes I think that was the one. Yeah, I think she was, that was the dance choreographer, dance teacher. Yes. Yeah. So, if I actually recorded her in the in the place where she dances, right. uh, it would have been really difficult because, for a lot of reasons, it would have been hard. We would have gotten interrupted. Uh, it, the sound was really bad because it's kind of an auditorium like situation where it's just really reverberant, and it's hard to get a good recording anyway that sounds clean. So there were a lot of there are a couple of reasons to, to 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 do a green screen in that situation. Well, I took a I actually took some video that I'd taken of that that scene uh, from a similar angle. Uh, you kind of when you do stuff like that and you put them in a real setting, you kind of need to make the camera uh, focal length and where the camera is placed kind of match. Right, like it doesn't make sense to be aiming like up on somebody and then the thing in the background's from a camera higher than them and looking down mm-hmm. it, that's that's a dead giveaway that it's not real. you know they just plopped into something that's just not real, mm-hmm. so the best you can do to make it match get the am the camera angles correct uh getting the light on them what it might be in that situation, like if there's a a bright window behind them. You know, don't give them a lot of harsh forward lighting without any backlighting because that'll be a giveaway. So yeah, there's there's a lot of things you can do to make it match. And so I I try to take those things into consideration. If it's something like that situation, I I knew what I was going to put behind her before
0: I did the interview. That's so what I was I gonna. It. That's what I was gonna ask you there. I mean, like you know, how much forethought has to go into doing a uh, you know the green screen and. uh you know, uh, do you oftentimes have already the background in mind when when you know you're going to use the technique? Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. <laughs> I guess it depends yeah. on what the final output is, huh? Yeah. It or depends once on... you get in there and see what it looks like and all this kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. It, it's it's it. Every situation is different. It's a lot harder to put a real background in uh, and try to make it real than to just put something white or something off white. Mm-hmm. Um, so I probably put in, I fake the background probably only 10% of the time, the rest of the time is just some solid color or some graduated color that, you know, it could be a backdrop, but it just happens to be a green screen that I've composited out. So, but anyway, I'll put a, I'll put a link to the before and after. I think I made a little how to video or a little behind the scenes video of, of this particular, um, compositing thing that I did with this with this particular green screen. So I'll give give people an example of that in that particular for that particular little segment of that film.
0: So you, you know, like what was very interesting to me was that you had done a, um, a shoot, uh, with, uh, uh, with some family members of yours. And, uh, what was happening was that you had gone to, uh, different family members' homes uh, and and shot uh, interview style there. But you relied right. on their natural environment for their background. Now, I also right. remember you discussing with me, uh, you know, uh, uh, offline, that the lighting in some of these homes was very, very difficult. Well, then why didn't you green screen in that situation? Or did you want the feel of, like a home interview type of thing.
1: Okay, for for one thing, it was going to be difficult to get them into a studio or get them into a place where I could easily do a green screen mm. because really part of the green screening is to have enough rooms, enough space between the subject and the screen. If the screen is, like if you're in a small room, there's not a lot of room for a green screen in a small room. You have to have some space. You have to have maybe at least five feet if not more between your subject and the screen
0: oh i didn't know oh, i did not know that i thought you just throw up a green sheet and that's good enough <laughs> l- l- you know uh, like you were s- uh, shooting a mug shot or something like that it didn't really matter
1: it actually does matter there are reasons for that uh it's got to be when, all about when,
0: lighting right it's got to be about the lighting frankly it's
1: it it's about the light uh it's about if they're too close to the screen they'll cast a shadow from any kind of key lights that are projecting from the front mm-hmm. of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, that will be hard to composite out because that'll be an outline that is just a line that is a different color, not not a pure green graduation. Uh, another thing is if they're too close, even if you do manage to to wash that shadow out, um, the the green from the, just the bounce from that green screen will actually bounce back on them <laughs> mm. And we'll light and we'll put this kind of green halo around them. Ah, uh, Like yes. a green green right. backlight. And that if there's too much of that green backlight halo, it, it's really hard to get out in the compositing software. Mm. Gotcha. So, no yeah.
0: amount of color correction is gonna help that, huh? Well,
1: it it makes it progressively more and more difficult. You can get it out. In fact, a lot of the tools now um, do you have ways of notice, uh, keying out that particular color well mm. and changing it to another color, but it's, it just makes everything harder. It's kind of like anything can be done in post. It's just a matter of how much work you want to do. Right. Yeah. Uh, and if you don't want to be spending a hundred hours on something you recorded for an hour, that would have taken you five minutes to correct in in the original shoot. So you just, you need to figure out how to be as efficient as possible. Like. If I do the green screen, I have to set it up right, or later I'm going to be spending a lot of time trying to get it right. Uh, I might run out of time before the project is due. Right. So, yeah. So the placement's important. So they need to be in front of the green screen quite a bit. Um, And also you need to light up the green screen quite a
0: bit. Oh, you Uh, have to light the green screen itself. And not only just the subjects uh, in the correct manner, but also the screen itself.
1: Yeah, the screen needs to be separately lit. It can't just be the room lighting uh, or whatever lighting you have on the subject that somehow gets to the screen. It just, you have to have some specific lights for the screen itself. Why is that? It just has to be illuminated to a pretty high degree. It has to be pretty bright, pretty brightly uh, lit. Like pretty brightly
0: green? Yeah, it has
1: to be green enough where when you're putting it into the compositing software later, it has a very, very pure green and it's bright enough to be noticed by the software and to be keyed out if it's too dim it's going to start blending with the shadows and people and and other stuff and it's just not going to be a very good key the the edges will be bad and there will just be a lot of problems it just won't be spectrally green it it, it it will be spectrally dark green which doesn't key as well there's some technical reasons why people use green hmm one, one is that in in Lower end camcorders green is actually um the color green is has a lot more bit information in it when it's recorded digitally it's It's a color that our eyes are more most sensitive to mm-hmm. and and therefore um is actually um design- the design of codecs uh you- emphasizes green more than other colors so when you actually record green, you have more data to work with in the compositing process. It's a, little, it's a little geeky, but basically that's one of the reasons that green is used so often in, in compositing. Hmm. Now, in the old days, there used to be blue screen, not green screen. Blue is actually the preferred uh, background material for compositing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was before the days of video. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, although there are situations where green won't turn out very well depending on their subject matter. Like if your subject matter has light blonde hair, green green is a little bit more difficult to key than blue. mm, mm um, because it
0: Because it, it kind of bleeds through type of thing.
1: Yeah, the color of the color of blonde hair is pretty close to green spectrally. Mm-hmm. So when the software is trying to tell the difference between the background and the foreground, which is the blonde person, yeah. it has a, a much harder time deciding that. Although I have keyed blonde people before with green screen and done it successfully, it's a little bit more difficult. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It It's kind of a trade-off because if you use a blue screen on a blonde person uh, and you're using a, a fairly compressed codec, it's going to be a little bit harder to key because the blue is just not going to come out as well on the key as green would, but the blue will be different enough from the yellow haired person where that part of it keys well. So it's kind of a trade off. It's like if I'm using a a lower end camcorder, should I use blue with a blonde person or should I use green? It's kind of a toss up. So what I'll tend to do is I'll, I'll probably use, use a green, but I'll really backlight them so that there's a really good halo on them. And that that will provide the keying software a good a good edge for me to work with, or I could use a a higher end codec and higher end uh, camera system, like using an external recorder with a higher um higher uh, color resolution codec
0: you know i'm I'm actually really interested in the lighting aspect of the green screen okay is is, is there a you, you know what you say needs to be lit really well where from top from the bottoms, from the sides, everywhere—the whole thing. Should just <laughs> set the thing on fire? What, 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 what needs to happen here to to make this successful? Uh, well, it needs to be lit by usually.
1: What I do is I put one pretty large uh, light source on each side, and the light source um, can be um, it can be a, a daylight type light source. Uh, in fact, I probably. I think almost all the time I will use a daylight light source. A couple of times I've used a tungsten light source. Mm-hmm. So I actually use some, um, well, DIY homemade fluorescent nice. light sources. Nice. Yeah.
0: Like, like shop lamps, uh, flood lamps or something like that. P- pretty much. I mean,
1: I do have some higher end, um, light sources that are LEDs, but I'm usually using those on the, on the talent or the people being interviewed. So I will use these kind of, kind of handmade, um, Lamps that I got at Home no, Depot. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I approve. Yeah, they're the they're these huge uh, high wattage five hundred watt bulbs that are actually used for like like landscape lighting, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: or safety lighting, and sure, and but they're they, but they happen to be really large and they're pretty inexpensive. And I just made a couple little fittings to make them fit on a uh, on a regular light stand, and they work pretty well. They work pretty well. Over the years, I've considered getting. The professional like uh, flow light type, uh, and I probably if I had, if I did this a lot, I don't, I don't do the green screen a ton. Right. I mean, I do it a lot, but I don't do it enough for me to go ahead and invest maybe two to three thousand dollars on a really high end green screen lighting system. So I would just use this for now. Um, I, I would probably get these um, type of fluorescent tube lights that are maybe four feet high, by a, about a foot wide. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and put one of those um, oriented uh top to bottom on either side of of the green screen angling at about a 45 degree to get a nice spread
0: uh i I, I get it yes uh-huh yeah like that's like, pretty much... like the regular fluorescent fixtures but uh oriented uh, more uh taller than than wider
1: yep vertically mm-hmm. so it's just vertically, covering right. Yeah, so it's basically just a little bit um, to the to the edge of the screen. I use um, I actually have a pretty high end uh, couple high end screens that I use. I I use this screen brand called Lastolite, which I like a lot. Um, it's a really very reflective yet not shiny, not too shiny green screen that's on a, a kind of a well, it's kind of like a pop up tent. I don't know if you've used those before, but they they roll into or the kind of things like you put on your windshield the sunshades on your Mm -hmm. windshield in your car right Uh, it's similar to that where it it actually uh kind of compresses down into a disc uh but then it expands out into a very very large like kind of squarish um square screen with rounded corners Uh, and the ones that i have are six by nine feet so so highly portable they're pretty they're pretty portable they're not light Mm -hmm. they weigh maybe 15 pounds each oh wow Uh, well
0: they're pretty big though
1: yeah, they're pretty big, and they've got um, kind of a metal uh, metal band in in them that compresses down. And actually, if you haven't used them like the first time, you try to once they popped out out of their circular case, which is about a f- two feet uh, in diameter, mm-hmm. maybe a little larger. Uh, if you haven't like read the instructions or watched a YouTube video about how to put them back in, it's really hard.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like putting a square block into a little circle uh hole or something like that huh?
1: yeah well imagine doing the ones that you have for your your car windshields right imagine you know a nine foot version of that <laughs> you're probably wrestling around with it and you've probably broken a sweat just to get it back into the case the first couple of times that i that i used it i did uh was a little frustrating and actually i think i did like look it up on YouTube about how to do it.
0: What's great is that by the time you do that, you've given up on the thing. You've got this fully expanded screen in your car, impairing your vision from driving. That's awesome.
1: A couple of times, I think I just wasn't able to get it in the case um, a couple of the times at first. And I just, just left it out kind of a big gigantic version in the back of my car. But uh, eventually I learned how to do it pretty quick and pretty, pretty well, but it required a little bit of skill. A little bit of practice.
0: Well, I'm glad that you brought that up because I am wondering about the material, you know, yeah. uh, you know, folks like me who are a little bit more on the, uh, financially challenged side <laughs> of things. I would think nothing of going to the local, uh, miniature golf course and tearing out, a uh, uh, fake, uh, uh, turf that's, uh, on, you know, hole number three of the, uh, pink windmill and using that uh as my green screen uh materials you know i mean can can it be artificial turf does it have to be the material you got can it be a um oh can it be a discarded felt pad from a pool table that i've uh, ransacked a home on uh you know can it be that What, what what does it have to be as far as material goes
1: I, it possibly could be almost any of the materials you've mentioned but mm-hmm. it probably won't pull a very good key if you use those uh although uh i th- i think i've seen felt used in some situations cuz felt's not bad because it's it can be fairly even in color mm-hmm. but it's a little bit too dark you'd have to get felt that was really spectrally pretty bright um uh you see you'll see a lot of pretty pretty inexpensive uh green screen or blue screen muslins on on eBay in fact one of the very first uh, green screen endeavors that I undertook was to get a pretty inexpensive version of the green screen. And the same principle it has this it's like a pop-up tent, uh, but made out of uh, a fairly thick kind of velvety material.
0: Mm, okay
1: and, uh, and it's, it's okay, but the problem is is that it's not very reflective. so it needs to be really, really lit a lot Mm, Uh, and sometimes you just can't get enough light on it to really pull a good key and another thing is it's really wrinkly uh it it when it expands out it's got all these wrinkles and so you have to steam out the wrinkles because if you have wrinkles they're going to create little shadows on that side lighting that you have set up
0: because that won't it won't be a true green It'll yeah, where the wrinkles are, there'll be a little shadow. Right, it'd be shadowish, and so it'd be like this different color green or something like that. Yeah,
1: it'll be a different color green with these wrinkly edges that make the keying very, very difficult in the compositing software like later. So the idea is to keep it a very smooth green, so that if there is any variation in the in the green that that you're the camera seeing, that it's very graduated, and that'll make it easier for the for the software to key out. Uh, so that was kind of an issue with those cheap muslins that I originally used. I mean, I could do it, but the key wasn't that great. And it took a lot of time to key it right. I had to put all these garbage mats around people. And I'll explain that later about what that means uh, when I was doing the compositing. But, um, so I, so the, the, the the brand that I, and I, I actually do recommend them. They're not, they're not that expensive, but they're not that cheap. I mean, I think they're, I'd have to look up the price, but they're, A few hundred dollars. Hmm. Uh, But they're worth it. Uh, The Lastolite brand, which is kind of this elastic material, so it's kind of stretchy. But the good thing about it is it doesn't have very many wrinkles when it's expanded, like no wrinkles at all. It's like spandex. Um, So when it's all stretched out on that hoop that it's on, uh, it's pretty wrinkle free. Plus, the material is pretty bright. Uh, So it needs a little bit, needs quite a bit less light than the muslins.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well that's yeah. Th- th- yeah that's good to know. I mean like yeah. uh uh you know that then that certainly prevents me from using my green uh sunshield that I use in my car uh because <laughs> that gets awfully wrinkly and uh so that probably would not be a good choice uh for me. But yeah. If if I did if I had
1: a business where I was just always doing interviews and I'd bring people to my studio, I would probably uh well, I'd either have one of uh like a stretched version of that fabric on the wall so it wasn't wrinkly, or I could even paint the room green, or mm. paint a lot of the room green and right and maybe even make a situation where the um the intersection of the wall and the floor was kind of curved. Yeah. Uh so that uh somebody standing in front of it you could actually get them all the way from, from their head down to their feet. And it would they could actually be standing, and you could composite them completely,
0: right, the entire head to toe type of thing, and
1: yeah, and know. in a lot of studios that do professional uh that that do shooting for compositing work later, they will have situations like that where they have this kind of seamless background from from the wall to the floor, and then in that case, they use paint yeah. and you can buy spectrally green paint that's made just for green screen, and it's actually probably less expensive to do that than buying these. These portable screens, but you know uh-huh. what? It'd be
0: awfully ugly. It'd be
1: bad, and, yeah. and if yeah, and if it's your house or your kitchen, it wouldn't be that fun to live in.
0: <laughs> well, you, you know, we're we're uh, uh, we're coming down to the end of this segment, so uh, and we we will continue this discussion uh, with a part two of it because it is so uh, darn uh, interesting, and we need to. <laughs> Uh, followed up with uh, even more information, but uh, Keith, what do you what do you recommend just as a short little summary as far as what to be careful of when uh, when doing green screen? Is there any particular thing we should maybe shy away from we or we definitely want to make sure we have when we're when we're employing this? I would say
1: make sure you get a screen that's big enough to to cover at least behind the subject completely.
0: Behind the subject, uh, like entire, like uh, waist high, or even bigger than that. What do you, what do you, what are you saying here?
1: Well, just whatever your shot, whatever your shot is finally going to be. Like if it's from the waist up, or if they're going to be moving their arms around because they're gesticulating and they are that type of person, you have to make sure that their arm isn't going to go beyond the edge of the screen because that's uh-huh. that would be almost impossible to key out. So, you just have to make sure that your screen is big enough for that situation, or the screen is close enough to them where if they are moving around, it covers them, Um, but not too close where there's a lot of spill or shadows. Mm. So, it's kind of a compromise between how much surface area you want. And you might even want to tell the talent, you know, don't move around, or here's your limit. You know, you can go all the way to this mark, and then that's it. If you go beyond that, it's not going to come out very well. So, you could do that. and make sure that they're far enough away there wasn't too much spill. Make sure that the light that you're shining on the green screen isn't also uh, lighting the talent in a way that you don't want them to be lit. Because that light's going to be kind of close to them. And if the lighting doesn't have barn doors or a way of, if it if it's spilling off to the side, it'll also be lighting them. Yeah. And if it's, if it's a different color temperature than the main lights, it's going to look weird, potentially. So like if you're using daylight lights on the, on the green screen and you're using tungsten lights on them, they're going to have this blue edge to them where the light's spilling onto them. So be careful of that. And, uh, I would say, and I'm, I think I'm going to talk a little bit more in the next segment that we talk about green screening, about how to light them. I talked yes. a little bit today about how to light the green screen. I'm going to talk a little bit about how to light them in a green screen. Green screen situation.
0: That's good. That's good. Yeah. No, that's yeah. that, that. That's very important. Uh, one thing I'm coming away with here: uh, make sure you handcuff your subjects to the chair <laughs> so that they don't flop around like a uh, fish that was freshly caught in a boat. Um, well, that's what gaffers tape is for. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Okay, uh, we are going to continue our green screen discussion uh, in another, uh, segment. And, uh, so in the meantime, uh, Keith, thanks for that. And, uh, we, we learned a whole heck of a lot. And I thank you for that. And, uh, we will take a, another quick break here and we'll be right back with more of tech movie. and we are back and you know we've got a kind of a new segment. I don't know if you want to call it a segment, but it's this neat little thing that we've been doing over the last couple of uh podcasts now. And that is finding out what is in Keith's gearbox. And what we mean by that is that Keith has, you know, has this stuff that he takes on shoots or whatever it is uh all the time, but of course, like anyone you're you're exchanging things uh, you know, something new comes out, you know, your something doesn't work anymore, you find something new, whatever it is. And we want to find out today what Keith has. Keith, what do you got for us today? Uh, well, I've got a couple things that I want to talk about.
1: Uh, one of them I actually got a while back, I think maybe six months ago, if not more. Hmm. And then the other thing I'm, I haven't gotten yet, but I've ordered it. <laughs> so uh, something that's a little... Not, not quite new and something that's totally brand new that it's so brand new I don't even have it
0: so <laughs> you don't even know if it exists I,
1: I don't know until it actually gets here right but um anyway this this the first item I've had for quite a while and of course you know my infinite un unending quest for speed right. out of my Mac pro
0: too bad it's not out of a car but it's always <laughs> You know, usually people say, gosh, and the need for speed and we're talking about computers, everyone. <laughs> talking about We're talking about computers. <laughs> uh
1: it's probably maybe slightly safer.
0: Right, it is.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I don't necessarily break break the law when I'm doing it. Yes, correct. Although I could. You could. I could. Right. Um anyway, one of the things I got um is is actually it's called the Otherworld Computing Mercury Excelsior pci
0: card Ooh, that sounds that (laughs) sounds dangerous in its own
1: yeah and 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 basically just very very simply what is it it's actually a solid state drive but instead of attaching it to your um internal sata bus Mm -hmm. it actually goes into one of the pci slots and uh and the reason for that is the set the sata bus is not that fast it's it's really super fast you know compared to other interfaces like ethernet and stuff but it's still only either three gigabits per second or six gigabits per second so you know that translates to about uh you know maybe 400 megabytes per second maximum on on at least on the buses that are inside the the mac pro Hmm. so um but the pci bus can go way faster than that Um, so what this is it's just a memory Essentially, it's an SSD memory chips that are on a PCI card and then can go as fast as that, that PCI bus can take it. And, um, and and it's actually one of the reasons why a lot of the new um, portable Macs and, and I think even the new Macs that actually have SSD that's built in, the, the build-to-order SSD drives that are in there, mm-hmm. they're actually not uh, SATA drives. They're actually the same type of thing. They're actually directly connected to... The, the computer's PCI
0: bus. Well, you or, in, you know what is very interesting? Let me stop you there for real quick because I'm looking at Otherworld Computing's website and that is maxsales.com. That's our friends over there at OWC. Uh, I'm looking at a picture of it and it really is just a PCI card, but yet it's a solid state drive, huh? That's correct. And it's they've got these little
1: removable socketed memory uh, kind of mini memory chip cards on them, so the card itself is probably pretty simple. It's just sockets and some simple electronics that plugs into your PCI bus. And then I guess in the future, if you ever, if if when uh, SSD these little chips go down in price, you can probably replace it with higher capacity chips hmm. as well.
0: Yeah, I I mean it, it's it's amazing because here it is. I mean here's a solid state drive, and it looks like an old like PCI modem. <laughs> Doesn't it look yeah. like a modem? I mean it looks like a modem. It does. It I mean, looks, it, it looks w- like with with like USB w- with USB connectors there. What what are those? Uh I actually
1: think those are ESATA connectors. And E-SATA. mine I don't mm-hmm. think mine actually has that, and I'm not sure what the SATA connectors are for. I've never used those them on my Oh, it's got, okay, so this particular card, I think, is a little different than mine. I don't think mine has this, because mine's a little bit older. But the newest cards have two uh, 6G eSATA expansion ports. So that means that, uh, I I guess you can actually, um, in addition to having this extra memory, you can have a couple
0: extra eSATA ports on your Mac. So that's pretty cool. That is pretty neat. I mean yeah. look look at these specs. You could have up to 960 gigs on this thing. I yep. mean, uh you know, uh it looks like it transfers what up to 820 megabits per second.
1: Yeah actually 820 megabytes per second. Megabytes per... Oh, oh, yeah. oh
0: that's right. That's the big B, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah.
1: that's it's really fast. And so I after I installed it, it's kind of funny because when I first installed it, I think maybe I got a bad card or something because I was getting all kinds of strange errors. Like it would work at first and then after a while, my Mac wouldn't recognize it and other Macs recognized it. So I talked to the people at OWC and they just, just send it back. We'll give you another one. And I did that and they were very great about replacing it with a new one. And then I installed the new one. So it actually... I was so busy that I, that I got it a while back but I didn't have a chance to really use it um, because it was it was kind of broken and I was just so busy I didn't even have a chance to return it <laughs> right. to get it fixed. Um, so I finally got it uh, maybe two or three months ago. I, I had a chance to return it and get a new one <clears throat> and then I installed it and that one worked really well and I made that my boot drive. So it has all my system, my OS on it and all my applications on it um, and I got the 480 gigabyte version.
0: So uh I I think before you were using an actual SSD like drive drive, like a like a two and a half inch, right? Or, yeah. or you know, or something of that nature. Is that correct?
1: Yep, yep. I was using a standard it was also an O W C uh SSD drive that you, that uses the internal uh SATA. Bus.
0: Right, and, and and so are you saying now that you swap that out? You no longer have that uh, uh, in in the uh, Mac Pro now. I actually just kept it in there, right. kind of as a as a
1: backup. And and what it is, it's a backup of this drive. So I have simple system stuff, uh, basically enough to boot in applications uh, on the drive as well, and then I have that backed up every night. So in case this either that card or that drive or this card fails, I can use the other one as a as a boot drive until I get the
0: other one repaired. And uh and is this one noticeably better than the, you know, old uh SSD that you had?
1: Uh yeah, it's definitely fast. The nice. the old SSD was fast. When I mm. when I probably the difference in speed between having a heart a plain old spinning disc as a startup drive and and the original SSD SATA drive that that difference was probably more dramatic more dramatic than the difference between the standard ssd and this pci ssd mm-hmm. but still yeah i do notice things are really fast starting up and just general operations I, I really love it i'm I'm really used to it
0: and you and there's no way you could ever go back to the old way like i'm doing it right now which is, <laughs> yeah i could
1: never go back to your computer. Your computer. I, right. I probably couldn't even use your computer. Sorry.
0: Turn on and go out and paint the house, and then yeah, the the, the extra three seconds. I just can't wait that long. <laughs> exactly. I'm sorry. I mean, I think mine boots in like I don't know less than a minute. You're right. That's just too much time it, wasted. It's too much time. Right. <laughs> I can't be staring at that spinning gear for
1: more than a few seconds. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. So anyway, so I think. Basically, for people that have p c i max um and I think, yeah, I think this is probably just available for Max right now, this mm. particular card, but I think this this concept exists in the p c world as well um if you just want the ultimate in in drive performance this there's really nothing that can go faster than this. this is it. this is the pinnacle of drive performance.
0: this is the xanadu
1: <laughs> it's yes. You've reached the Xanadu, and it also has a Olivia <laughs> Newton John starring. Right, so you get an extra bonus. That's right. but
0: <laughs> with
1: the headband. That's right. Yes, but um, no, actually, uh, the the reason that the new a lot of the new Macs are so fast is that they have this performance. So, so what you the kind of performance you get when you install this PCI card is similar to what you get when you use like the new MacBook Pros or the new iMacs. It's that that's how they kind of get that illusion of super super fast speed is by having these direct connected memory right i mean direct i mean direct connected drives right it's about as direct as you can get
0: yeah I, I i mean what 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 a what a great thing this is i mean it's so neat because it looks like it doesn't take any space whatsoever but this is i mean this is what you've been waiting for i mean this is this is pretty awesome if uh you know if you're you know there there are kits now, and uh, w- one of my friends has a has an iMac like myself, and uh, he decided you know what I'm going to forego the optical drive. I'm going to pull that out and put an SSD in there, mm-hmm. and they have kits now that that you can do that right. So what kind of computer does he have? An iMac like mine. Oh okay. And uh, and you just and there you know OWC actually sells a, a a kit out there for uh to replacing your optical drive for an ssd so you take up that that real estate within the imac and uh and you plug in an ssd and he he loves it thinks it's fantastic that's really cool there's Um, a jet there's a jet you heard the jet oh yeah i I heard it It, 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 it's like it's
1: really this one's really low i think i think you're
0: under attack frank frankly (laughs)
1: Anyway, I'm just going to restart that what I was going to say. That's that's really cool, Rod. Yeah, well, that's the way to go because really people don't use their optical drives all that much anymore these days, so
0: why not? Exactly. And uh although I'm still the only idiot who does, but uh so I I, I could I I I poo poo on his uh SSD. So. Okay. I love my optical drive, so. Is he listening? Um I I'm sure he's not. No. <laughs> Uh, until I tie him to a chair and, and, and make him listen, you know, uh, uh, listen then.
1: Well, that's what I do with my friends. <laughs> you
0: should try it. Anyway, so
1: that's about that thing. And, and check it out. And we'll put a link on the on the website about that product. But that's if you want the ultimate in speed, that's the way to go.
0: That's a great thing. That's uh, from our friends over at Otherworld Computing. That's the OWC Mercury Excelsior E2. Is that what it's called, uh, Keith? Mhm that's yeah, correct. Yep. Yeah. And it's the uh PCI Express SSD. A very very nice uh piece of equipment there. Very nice. Thank you. Yeah. Well done. What else you got for us? Okay. So there's something that I'm actually
1: surprisingly very excited about it. <laughs>
0: surprisingly.
1: Well, it's surprising because I don't know, I just don't get that excited about about this type of gear right. these days. This is this is actually a mechanical piece of gear. Oh. Uh, and it 's kind of like again, this is my Xanadu uh of of uh electronic viewfinder support systems
0: oh okay, and
1: uh <laughs> nice, and I know that 's a little obscure, but basically um there's a a thing that you can get uh called an electronic viewfinder, and basically it's a it's an eyepiece that has a little monitor inside it, usually the monitors maybe from one inch to perhaps even up to three or four inches. And diagonal and it's a very usually a very high quality monitor and usually it's HDMI input although it could be SDI input or other types of inputs and you put this up against your eye with a little hood a little eye eye hood and it's kind of what you what you fuse to focus with and what you use to to view your scene especially when you're in bright light but you can use it anytime I use it all the time I use it in the dark I use it in the light and I've actually kind of custom made my own uh, mount for holding this for my various camcorders over the years because there wasn't really anything that was out there that was, that really served my purposes that had the versatility that I, that I really need. Right. And, but still, the things that I made myself weren't perfect. They were good, but they were still, they had their flaws. And in order for me to piece together all the different little, things that would work, it would have been really time-consuming, a lot of trial and error, and also may not have worked that well, and would be pretty expensive, and a, kind of a, a lot of time. So, anyways, Zakuda just announced this new uh, mount, it's called the Axis EVF mount, and I saw the email, and as soon as I opened the the page on uh I saw the, and I watched the video. And the video is pretty cool, and it has um, the two founders of Zacuto, which is basically what they do with all their new products, is they're, they kind of talk about the product and explain it and show how it works, and then there's a little demo that they do or somebody else does on how it works. Anyway, basically what it is, it's, it's this very versatile arm, multi- multiple hinged arm that attaches to your camcorder and is meant to hold the EVF. And so you put one end of this arm on the on some some place on your camcorder. It could be on the top. It possibly could be on the bottom. They usually like to put it on the top. That's what they recommend. And then it's got this arm that pretty much is infinitely adjustable up or down, and it's got three hinged points to it. Um, but it's not like a ball joint on the on the hinges. It's just a hinge in the up and down direction, the tilt plane, um, and but what it allows you to do and and each of those those hinge points those tilt points is is kind of variable friction so you, so you can make it really tight and have it locked down like if you really want to push against it and use it as a bracing
0: point i am looking at it right now yeah. off the zakudo uh website and it looks like one of those arms that they use like of course i'm sure it's much smaller but it looks like one of those like robotic welding arms that they use in automotive manufacturing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right? you're it, right. It's, it, it, you know, I mean, but, uh, you, you know, and it has all those different pivot points and stuff like that. And it looks like, yeah, you're like you can lock down or or put certain tension of which you wish to put at, at each pivot point.
1: Right. And the thing that's really cool about it is because it has that variable tension, you don't have to, and, and because it's only in one plane, you don't have to use two hands to adjust it. So you can have one, like your right hand holding the camcorder, and then if you want to re-adjust, reposition your EVF, you just use your left hand and just basically bend it around the way you want. You can pull it out, push it in, bend it up or down, uh, and then it stays where you want it. And then if you really like that position, I guess you could lock it down further and, and really hold it there. But, it's, but it holds, it's enough tension to hold on its own. And that this is basically what I've been looking for, and kind of did on my own for years. Mm. And now this this professional thing that they've engineered, they've come out with it. They've done all the the testing and made it work. And and it's and and it's I think it's great. I can't wait to get it. I'm hopefully going to get it this week. Hopefully in time for me to actually use it on a on a outdoor shoot of a, a live band. So, um, but if I don't if I don't get it by then, it's okay. But I, I'm just really eager to get this thing because I could think it's going to really really speed up my workflow and allow me to work a lot faster.
0: Now I have a question about, I have a question about this type of item here. Now it looks as if, you know, you're, you're, you're mounting your, your EVF, you know, on this thing and you essentially get to move it anywhere you want. Meaning that, you know, your camera's in one position and you can move your EVF to wherever, wherever you are comfortable. Uh, now, What's the difference between using the EVF versus like just an external monitor, a bigger size monitor or something? I mean, I understand, you know, light and glare and all that kind of stuff that, you know, maybe it's not the most optimum thing. Like you you just said, you're going to be hopefully trying to use it shooting a band outside. And, and, uh, you know, maybe if it's at, you know, a noontime festival or something, you can't exactly use a monitor because there's too much glare. So you can't see it very well. Yeah. Uh you know what 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 do you what, what do you say to that uh, you know the the EVF or the monitor? Uh
1: well I think they both have their purposes. Um for me uh especially when I'm moving around I'm not sure if the monitor is as useful um because you have to view it from a distance. Mm-hmm. And you're holding you're holding it in front of you and you're looking at um the monitor and it's not like part of it, it's not as much a part of your body as when you have the eyepiece up against your eye.
0: Right. So in some ways it adds a little bit more stabilization.
1: Yes. There's definitely stabilization when you're pressing this thing up against your face and holding it with your arms and everything too. Um, but I feel like over the years I did use um camcorders that you just looked at the the viewfinder. Uh, not the viewfinder, but the little LCD panel that flips out. Mm-hmm. And that's okay, but um, the small ones, you can't, they're too small to focus with, right? They don't have enough resolution. And uh, so especially with um, shallow depth of field situations, you really can't rely on those. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the larger monitors are just kind of big. In, in other words, to get a, a monitor large enough so that you can actually focus with it, while still holding it away from you, they're kind of large and they kind of cover up um, a certain amount of view in front of you. Uh, so and they just become kind of big and bulky and become kind of obtrusive. That's my opinion. Right. So, yeah. So I think, yeah, if you could, pro- if you're like on a set and you have a choice to maybe use a, a large monitor uh, if and it's a really high resolution monitor and you can focus with it, that might be, a possible situation, but I think when you're moving around, uh, looking down on this monitor that's either down or up, not it's not really in the plane of where you're pointing your camera. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's you don't get as good a shot. That's my opinion.
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: Yeah. It's just not an extension of your body. This kind of thing makes, makes the camera part of your
0: body. You know, I'm sure this thing is pretty light. Um, uh, yeah. You, you know, I don't, I mean, it looks so, um, you know, it looks like a a, a a really beautifully engineered piece.
1: I hope so. I'm really hoping that it has this same Sukudo standards of engineering. Their their stuff is, in my opinion, really well engineered. Yeah. And um and I, I know they get copied a lot by the China manufacturers and they're probably that's probably hit on their bottom line. But uh and, and maybe something like this is gonna be copied in the next couple of years. But for now, couple of years, year, I'd give it
0: about an hour and a half. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah but for now it's it's like the only thing out there that's like this in my opinion
0: that's really neat you, you know uh one last question I have for you mm-hmm. is that uh the connector from the e v f to your camera with this you know what could be an extension right using this arm i mean how you know at full extension I'm trying to look at the specs here and and, and see how far it can go because it it looks as if like you could almost put your camera at like mid-torso level and you could stand straight up and still view without bending your back at all uh, uh, to get this thing.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure of the full extended height on Mm -hmm. it, but Mm -hmm. um, if you look at the one, there's one... um, picture of it being pretty far extended yes. and and it's about arms
0: it's length a bit, almost
1: yeah and it's a that's the guy's chest a little bit below his chest so right. if it was just straight up you could probably get it even farther down so i'm i'm thinking it's going to be more like waist level at the full extension mhm mm-hmm. which would be great because um like in that i think in the last episode we talked about me shooting the ticking um um Shooting the kids that were at their level, and I had to be on my knees a lot, and then I also had to have the camera even farther down. Right. And I was tilting the the viewfinder up. Um, this will actually really help that. This would have made that shoot a lot easier for me. Right. Um, because I could have gone from that mode to just the normal mode really quickly. Uh, and and I I spend a little bit of time in, in that shoot taking my viewfinder extension arm thing apart for different places
0: oh okay whereas this one will be a lot more it'll be quicker
1: it'll be quicker i don't have yeah. to take apart anything i just right. have to adjust it and that's it right exactly So fold yeah. it in the mm-hmm. w- whatever
0: way you want and there you go
1: yeah so i'm really looking forward to using using it so uh get when i get it i'm gonna come back and we'll talk about it in some future episode
0: excellent uh uh do you think it will throw off weight balance at uh in in any form or fashion here um, I'm hoping not. I, I'm well. I'm probably going to use
1: it a lot with my C100, which I've used it uh, several times now in various different shoots. In fact, last night I actually used it uh, basically at night in a campfire situation mm. in the middle of a forest, and um, it was basically shooting just by by campfire light. Nice. <laughs> there was no other light. Nice. Uh, and I had the ISO. I had the the ISO up to twenty thousand on the c100 wow i was using a 1.4 lens and
0: and how did it come out
1: um i don't know i have to look at i think some of it at the twenty thousand. i think it's pretty noisy
0: yeah it could be Um, a little bit noisy there
1: yeah um sometimes i was going at about five or six thousand and Mm -hmm. i think that was probably better i actually haven't really reviewed the camera on a on a nice system yet i just Mm -hmm. i mean i haven't reviewed the footage on a nice system yet so i have to to do that but i'll get back to you on that but it was it was in that situation, um, it would have been it would have been pretty useful to Great. have this have this EVF.
0: Excellent. Um, Excellent. Beca-
1: and, and the reason was because I was using the built in um a lot of times I was holding it up to my eye, but the way that the C one hundred is the built in EVF is just fixed. So you have to basically hold it in front of your face. So it was it, it's much harder to get those low shots yeah. or different or shots above you or shots below you. Sure. Um unless you want to use the built-in, uh, built-in, uh, LCD, right. uh, and even, but then it's harder to focus and, and, and other things with the built-in LCD, the th- problems I talked about before. So yep. I can see this, this new axis really helping out in situations like that.
0: Yeah. You'll be able to get a little bit finer focus and stuff like that, rather than relying on the screen being a yep. foot or two away from you. And right. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, or you could do it like me and just roll up a piece of paper <laughs> and just you know, like the old telescoping tricks we used to use as kids and I do oh, that yeah. to do my fine focus. So
1: Well actually, yeah, the toilet the toilet paper roll works.
0: <laughs> or the paper towel roll. The genius. paper towel roll. <laughs> Absolutely genius. Yeah,
1: that'll that'll work. Thank you. And then you can use it as like a
0: you can like hum through it too. <laughs> it's to trumpet <laughs> well, you know, Zakudo does it again that is the access e v f mount and uh Keith, I think we'll put a link to that on our uh on our web page okay and uh and also um what we'll do i think you, you got to give us a full product review when we uh when we finally get this thing,
1: yeah, when I get it and I have a chance to use it a little bit i'll I'll definitely come back and
0: and give it a review that'll be excellent well uh that is going to do it for our uh for Keith's gearbox and what he's uh, shoving inside uh, today so <laughs> Keith i, I expect uh, more uh more things uh, to uh, be replaced uh in our next uh episode
1: my, my gearbox is huge deep and infinite so i
0: i i think it's one of those like <laughs> 5000 gallon bins that they use for garbage i think that's your (laughs) gearbox but okay fantastic well uh great keith uh we will uh, let's take a break and let's come back with more here on tech move Isn't it just amazing how a year passes by just like that it's amazing It's, it's I mean, just amazing you know it's it's fantastic a year has gone by we got a lot of things we got a lot of things repaired we've broken <laughs> a lot of things you know that had more disasters had more disaster plenty of those i'll tell you that much <laughs> uh but during that year let, let's uh, get a summary now, Keith, of of some of those things that we just talked about, so the things we just heard. Uh, so, how'd the four terabyte drives uh, turn out?
1: Actually, the four terabyte drives are great. Um, really? Yeah, the Hitachi drives are excellent. They're just great drives. Um, actually, I've had a lot of a lot of drive disasters this year. Actually, you know, I have so many drives, I think. If you have a lot of drives you're gonna have them break and have disasters and sure things like that. Uh it didn't necessarily break, but I was I was doing some remodeling in my house and so my house is kind of like a hazmat zone <laughs> with uh <laughs> they were re- redoing the drywall and stuff. So it was really dusty and so all the everything was draped with plastic and I was relegated to my my home studio office. Your cave. Area. The cave, cave area. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and they were they were trying to rush uh finishing the drywall. Because I really needed them to get out of here, so I could actually have a life. So, <laughs> right. So they use this kind of like a like a power, very powerful hair dryer to to kind of uh, heat up the the parts that need to dry. Sure. And um, and uh, he plugged it into this. It was like this one outlet that never ever gets used in the house because it's actually behind a couch in the living room. Sure. But this outlet happens to share the same power as my office with all my computers. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. But nobody's ever plugged this th- plugged into this. But the couch was moved. They moved all the furniture into the middle of the room and piled it up and covered it with plastic. So this outlet was exposed upstairs that just happened to share the same circuit. And so this guy plugged this, you know, 50,000-watt hairdryer. <laughs> While I was editing on all my drives, they're all churning, going f- as fast as they could trying to keep up with premiere pro and he plugged this thing in turned it on and just went poof, and it just all the computer equipment and drives and everything just died all at once
0: did, did so did did he uh uh did you have to like pull the circuit breaker or something yeah it tripped the circuit breaker it did <laughs> yeah it tripped the circuit breaker like instantly and I was like
1: what and I went upstairs and I just said, please don't plug that in there anymore at that time I didn't realize how bad it how bad of a disaster it had created, but uh, when right, came like back, you just
0: like you just <laughs> thought it just shut off stuff and yeah, it just, just, just power back on and you know, just lost, keep going.
1: Yeah, maybe lost ten minutes of work since I saved last, but it seemed I don't know what it was, but it seemed like it. Even though I have these really great RAID drives, it just seems like it, it because it was r- doing something in the middle of this power outage, it just corrupted the drives. Like <laughs> uh, <it> corrupt, <laughs> it actually corrupted just one drive, right? Uh, but it was a huge drive. So It was a twelve terabyte drive um so uh the I think the hardware was okay, but just the data on it wasn't so it it, it was like it had lost like eight ter- eight out of the twelve terabytes on it
0: wow data. yeah, wow, like it was kind of half there did it um, did it ruin the drive? I don't or, think it f- or were you able to reformat and just yeah, I was you able just to reformat lost everything it. on it,
1: yeah, just and that's my fast online drive so. So basically I had and I was in the middle of of course I'm always in the middle of a project so there's a lot of the original media was on that drive so but luckily I have Drobo's that that back the stuff is backed up every night to these gigantic right. Drobo's but um the Drobo's are really slow so you can't edit off those. So I basically had to like wait a week to continue working while it copied from the Drobo back to the fast drive. So but luckily <laughs> yeah so I had a little vacation in my hazmat dust
0: storm hell. <laughs> how, how how long did it take you to recover uh, the stuff that uh, that you? It, well, first it's the discovery, right? You you don't oh, even yeah. know when it really uh, what stuff you really lost until you really get into it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, and I realized that this drive was just irreparably damaged. Like no no recovery software could could recover the directory on there. Right. So I just I just realized I had to wipe it out and and copy and just and the thing is it's really nerve wracking because during that copy of that data that's the only copy you have at that point point. Mm-hmm. and so if something happens at that point and that origi- and the drive the backup drive goes bad that's really bad right. so <laughs> yeah it's just a horrible feeling when you know all your data is gone
0: yeah I would say <laughs> I would say
1: but luckily actually luckily it all came back and that's why I just always I'm always just telling people you got to back up because you never know
0: it's true (laughs) so it's it's very 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 true yeah well the good I'm I'm, I'm glad that uh, that finally uh, got you back on track how about the uh, the axis the Zakuto axis
1: Um, the Zakuto axis is I got it and uh, but actually I really haven't used it very much no that's that's a good purchase yeah yeah, it was like five hundred bucks, and uh, <laughs> and I just I thought I would use it a lot, right? But I just didn't. I I've I been using my C one hundred a lot for recording, and not so much of the bigger camcorders that might need this, right? Um, and it's just kind. It's it's kind of it needs a big setup to make it worthwhile, like a big shoulder rig and some other stuff, or or just on a tripod. So, but I think I will be using it soon for some projects. So. Uh, I still it's so still it's just there.
0: opportunity at this particular point. You just haven't had an opportunity to really take advantage of it or use it to its uh, full capacity. Yeah, and in the meantime, they've come out with a with an Axis Mini. Oh, which good. Is, which is cheaper and better. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> of course, that's right. Of course, it is, and lighter and everything. Right. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Pretty much better. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. Well, uh, I know. Uh, I know, and because I think I've seen you with this thing, the Sennheiser mic is is uh, is your new favorite. No, actually, the Sennheiser mic is, mic is the
1: worst piece of crap I've ever bought. Is it really? <laughs> yeah.
0: Luckily, no. It was,
1: luckily, it was only a
0: hundred dollars. I thought, I, I thought <laughs> when uh, when you and I had uh, had a meeting that uh, that was your that was your uh, mic on the rig already. That was just for show. And maybe it was maybe at the time it was uh 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 the the thing and then until you re- actually tried it and listened to it yeah i you know
1: i I actually used
0: it in a couple of situations it's not it's not it's
1: not absolutely horrible right but but it's not much better than the onboard mic, believe it or not it's okay. like, yeah it's, it's 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 not that unidirectional it, the sound quality's quite bad uh it's really small and
0: light, but that's that's the only thing it's got going for it. So are you saying that the Rode VideoMic Pro is still better than that Sennheiser? It's way better. Really. It's way better sound quality, more directional. It's still
1: kind of you know, they got to figure out how to how to deal with those uh Shock absorber, our shock rubber, mountles. our
0: rubber band mounts that <laughs> yeah. that I used for my braces about twenty <laughs> years, to, uh, I mean forty years ago or something like that.
1: Yeah, they got to figure out to, a way to make those things actually stay on and not get dislodged and yeah, kind of reset them every five minutes.
0: Right, but,
1: exactly. Uh, but the sound quality is way better. R- Rode stuff's really good.
0: I I, I love Rode. I mean yeah. like the uh, you know, I I always loved the VideoMic Pro and then they came out with that what that stereo one which I don't know if you and I have ever really talked about that, but I don't even know what the what, what's their latest offering now. I'm sure they put something out there. Yeah, they they're always coming up with tons of stuff which we'll
1: talk about in the future. Of course. I actually got a couple new road things in the last year which I like a lot. Excellent we'll, we'll talk about that later. Very good. Very um, good. So what
0: else? How about the
1: GoPro cage? GoPro cage, worst piece of crap I've no. Actually <laughs> it's <laughs> it's actually uh
0: it's fine, although I just really haven't used it. Another one of those things where you well, I mean are you using your GoPro a lot or or is it not really uh, uh, again, one of those things that's just a nice thing to have, and it's portable and all this kind of thing. You know, I I actually didn't use the GoPro three that I had a lot, but I and we'll talk about this later.
1: I did get the GoPro four black,
0: is, right? You and, and you had mentioned that to me, and that thing is supposedly very very nice, right? That is awesome, and it's a great
1: recorder, and it's just an amazing piece of technology. Um, and I'll talk about that later. I used it in a, a couple films recently. Oh good. Intercut it with some high-end cameras. So, it's it's pretty good. Can you use the cage with this uh uh GoPro yeah, black? Definitely could use it cuz it's the same they kept the size the same, which is great. It fits good. in all the old stuff. But great. uh but I just I just haven't had the the need to really um, you know, mount it in that fashion. You know, if I'm going to carry a big camera, i will just use my one of my other big cameras. I, I don't I don't need to make a little cheap little camera <laughs>
0: bigger, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's like all those folks that are putting interchangeable lenses on their iPhones. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Right. So, uh, yeah,
0: I'm gonna buy a thousand dollar lens mount for
1: my iPhone. <laughs> but uh... <laughs> although recently, okay, I have to tell you, I just got this app called ProCam Two for my iPhone. Okay. My iPhone it goes it goes it works on iPhone iPhone six I think and maybe it works on iPhone five but on the six you can get four K video out of it.
0: Get out really? Yeah,
1: it's and it's awesome video. It's it, amazing. it
0: it does look good.
1: It looks like GH four video. It's amazing.
0: No I'll, kidding. I'll, yeah, really? I'll
1: talk, yeah, I'll talk more about that later.
0: Oh well, you better have yeah. a lot of uh, you better have <laughs> a lot of space on that phone of yours then. <laughs> I do have the biggest phone, but it does eat up the the space. I'll pretty, be qu- pretty qu- rapidly pretty quick yeah i yeah. mean at uh what 128 gigs i think is the biggest one or yeah something like that's that? That? that's the one i have and yeah, yeah. i'm gonna it's have to I'll... go
1: quick if you're shooting like 4k <laughs> type of stuff yeah but anyway we could talk about that out more in another episode all right so um yeah so haven't really used the cage much got a lot of new stuff in the last year we'll talk about that more um actually uh this episode this this year-old episode, we were actually into this DIY theme. Yep. And uh, so uh, late last year, um, we had a chance to actually interview Eric Kessler. He's the head of Kessler Crane.
0: And I, and I have a really uh, a great thought that most of our listeners are familiar with the Kessler name uh, because anyone who, you know, does any type of, you know, video production or, or, you know, filmmaking ha- has definitely s- come across some of those products.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. They're definitely in the high end. They, they are, they're meant for probably bigger cameras because they're pretty heavy duty, but, uh, you can use them on smaller DSLR type cameras and, uh, and I have a bunch of their stuff. And anyway, I actually, um, had a chance to interview Eric Kessler, um, late last year he was coming out with a new they were coming out with a new product called the second shooter and so we talk a lot about that and that that'll actually happen in the next episode
0: well i i can't wait to hear about that because uh uh the kessler uh catalog and product line is you know when you go online and look at some of that stuff you say man i you know uh, i i could use this i could use that i mean mm-hmm. it, you know and, and it's so well made that I know uh, that as a DIYer myself, that that's what I aspire to try and copy.
1: Yeah, yeah you know? it, it's, and, it's and, the and then you end quality. up having
0: to go buy it because yours <laughs> because yours turned out so crappy. Yeah. So. Well,
1: that's kind of what I did. I mean, I built, you know, as we said before in the earlier earlier in the episode, I built my own stuff. Yep. But but then wound up getting this pretty high end
0: expensive stuff from Kessler. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's, it's it, you know, without a doubt, it's better made, it's better thought out, it, you know, they've they've battle-tested and stuff like that, so, um, yeah, I mean, let's just, uh, let's hear what Eric has to say, and uh, we look forward to uh, your stirring interview with uh, Eric Kessler, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure uh, it's going to be fantastic, and I can't wait to, to listen to that. Uh Keith, let's wrap it up, huh? It's been a whole year. I think we deserve another year off. So, um
1: <laughs> hopefully we're going to get the next episode out within a week or two.
0: I can only hope, but you know, I frankly doubt it. Anyway, <laughs> hey, uh folks, we want to thank you so much for hanging in there with us and and being patient as we uh deliver our annual episode to you. <laughs> this has been episode number 16. And we want to thank you very much for listening. Remember to uh, subscribe. Remember to reach us any way you can. You know how to do it. You get us on iTunes. You get us at our website, uh, which is techmovepodcast.com. You see us on our Facebook page. Uh, What else you've got, Keith? How else can they reach us? I forget. It's been so long. Twitter. Twitter. Did you mention mention Twitter? I mean, does does, uh, uh, I I mean – you know, are we on MySpace still or what? Or we're, we're on MySpace. We're on <laughs> Yahoo. We're on AOL. We're, we're on
1: USPS. <laughs> I mean, we're uh... on a 300 baud modem. Right, comp- <laughs> CompuServe. Comp-
0: comp- <laughs> 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 well, Going way uh, back there. We're, we're we're all out there, and gang, it's great to be back. We we again thank you so much. And uh, so anyway, until the next time, I am Rod Louis, and with me is the great. Keith Moreau. Keith, thanks so much. Thanks, Rod. And we will do it again and uh, let's uh, wait again for another exciting episode of Tech Move.